A quick programming note before we get started with today's Thunder Buddies podcast. This podcast has long been um, a post-game recap pod where Barry and I, Jenny and I, uh, Maddie, going back to, you know, Eric Horn, Brett Dawson, Darnell, Slater, there's been a lot of us doing these post-game pods on Thunder Buddies, but we're transitioning um, to a two-day-a-week podcast. The goal is Tuesdays and Fridays. I know that's not always going to work out, um, but that's what we're going to do. So let's get started uh, with the Tuesday Thunder Buddies podcast. Welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm Joe Masato, joined by Barry Trammell. The NBA season is here. It is Tuesday, and the first games get going on Tuesday night with the national TV slate. And the Thunder opens Wednesday night at Minnesota against the New Look Timberwolves. Uh, Barry, I, I uh, checked the weather in Minneapolis because I'm flying out later today, and it's it's a balmy 26 degrees right now in, in Minneapolis. I think the high uh, tomorrow is going to be 42. So I've got my winter coat ready, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm ready for basketball, Barry. Crying out loud is 90. I, I covered a ball game Saturday. It was 90 degrees outside. So. Um, what a country. Yeah. But yeah, ready for, uh, you know, the truth is we start the season too early. Wish the NBA season started in November, not October. Wish it went in more into the summer, but, you know, I can't tell uh, the magnates of American uh, television and sports what to do. So it is what it is. We got, we got two road games for the Thunder before the home opener on Sunday. So, um, Another uh, another interesting year in which uh, mm-hmm. we try to decipher how long this valley is going to be, this this uh, tanking season, as it were, that we've been living through for two calendar years. Yeah, and sometimes um, the time runs together, but this is really year three, going into year three of the Thunder's rebuild. Um, they've had uh, you know, t- their two drafts into this, getting Josh Giddy with the sixth pick, um, in last draft, in the most recent draft, of course, Chet Holmgren with the second pick, Jalen Williams, Uzman Jang with the 11 and 12 picks. And um, Barry, th- this is really what I'm going to write about today. You know, when, when Chet Holmgren suffered his foot injury in that Pro-Am game in Seattle, you know, I think the thought that everyone had around here was, oh man, what a bummer. Because you know, this was this was a year I think a lot of people were going to be excited about, not because the Thunder was going to be a playoff contender or even a play-in contender, but Chet Holmgren is such a unique player, um, just such a, you, you know, a, a player unlike we, we've really seen before, being seven foot tall, as skinny as he is, being able to handle, being able to shoot, um, a rim protector that the Thunder has so sorely lacked. And then when he got hurt, it was like, oh gosh, what what is this season going to be? And I've actually been pretty encouraged just from an entertainment standpoint uh, through the preseason because Chet's not out there, but I think Jalen Williams, Usman Jang, they're going to be really fun to watch. We get Shea Gilgis Alexander healthy. It looks like he's ready to go for the season opener. Um, Josh Giddy, what does what does his shot look like this season? So I kind of went from uh, down in the dumps a little bit to too excited for this Thunder season. Well, I'm excited for every Thunder season. The question becomes, how much stamina do we have as a <laughs> as a press corps or fan base? Um, 
you know, the Thunder actually gotten off to decent starts for their caliber the last couple of years. But, you know, if it gets to January and this team is 11 and 34 or whatever the record might be, I don't know how many games that would be. But if, if it's clear they're going nowhere except, you know, the Tanksville, it it loses its its luster fast. And if SGA sits, you know, he's missed the last, what, six weeks of the last two seasons, something like that. Um but there is enough young talent to keep us interested for a while. Yeah. I will I will grant that. That and that's the key. Uh Santa Clara Williams, uh Josh Giddy, uh the uh Lou Gens Dort, who seems like an old pro but is, you know, just in his fourth season. Um, Poku. Yeah, what about Poku? Poku is, uh, you know, always has our attention. You can't take your eyes off of him, mainly because he might hit you in the head with a basketball. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, it's it's you know it's fun, but at some point you want you know you want one hundred one ninety nine with forty two seconds left in the game against a really good team, and you're not going to get much of that. So yeah, um, you know you just sort of have to readjust your expectations when you're following a team like this. Yeah. Well, um, speaking of those expectations, um, we did uh, Thunder preview picks, as always, uh, a picks grid and in the paper and online. I'll share that later for, for everyone to find. But Barry, let's let's get into it. Um, Thunder predictions, regular season record. Um, the the over under that I've most commonly seen anywhere from 23 and a half to 24 and a half we are both solidly over on that. You uh, you picked twenty nine and fifty three. I picked twenty eight and fifty four. Explain why the why the why you think the Thunder is almost a thirty win team this year. Well, I just think we've got more tanking teams than we've had in the past. The last couple of years, it was in the four to five range. I think this year it's in the six to seven range. I think it's going to be harder to lose people like. Uh, you know, the Orlando-Houston crowd because that crowd's bigger. I mean, you're going to run into Utah four times a year. You're going to run into San Antonio. I can't remember the schedule. Three or four times. Those are new to the tanking club. Um, I also think the league as a whole is is de-emphasizing the regular season. Um, I don't think you're going to see a ton of teams – push the 60 win mark i think um i think of course uh, that's primarily because superstars marquee players are gonna sit more than ever well and both leagues are so deep that i i just think some of these top teams are going to beat up on each other and there's just a lot of good teams this year yeah yeah Uh, i I, and i i just think you're going to luck into some wins and then you're going to win some because you're better than you know than the utah san antonio crowd so I just think, uh, and and I don't know if the Thunder will go all in or all out, I guess is the proper terminology. I don't know if they'll go all out for when it's time to, to you know, March gets here and, 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 and sit in your guys. And will, will we see people like Xavier Simpson? And he's the only one I can remember. Whoever those guys were that finished Melvin the year. Melvin Frazier, your ghost. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's... That's one of the all-time things. I mean, I covered that game for you in Salt Lake at the end of the year. Thank you for doing there. that. I sat there. Well, I got a wonderful trip to Utah out of it. So, <laughs> but sitting there watching these guys, and I think back to that and think, 
that wasn't an NBA team. That was just it was ridiculous in a lot of ways. So, um, you know, <laughs> I don't know if the Thunder can will do that again. Um, heck, they got enough good players. I shouldn't say good. They got enough marginal players that it's going to be hard to lose on purpose some nights. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I guess I'm straddling the fence of this because I, I agree with what you just said. Like the Thunder, you know, even though their record looks really bad and it is really bad the last two years, they play harder than the talent on the floor um, or they win more games than the talent on the floor would suggest. And that's because I think Mark Dagnall really has them playing within a system and they play extremely hard. It's like the Kenridge Williams, Lou Dort, Aaron Wiggins type going all out against teams that, you know, come in and aren't really pumped up to play the Oklahoma City Thunder. So that's kind of why I'm at um, I'm at 28 and 54. That was the the record I predicted. I also think, you know, I do think, I mean, there's going to be tanking at the end of the year if this Thunder season goes the way we think it's going to go. But I think, you know, even if Shea Gilgis-Alexander I mean, I had a bold prediction that he plays 70 games. It's it's bold, obviously, but, you know, I think they could play their guys and just be, I think they could still be around 28 and 54 just because the West is so good. You look at it, you know, they're, maybe they'll be better than Utah, San Antonio, Houston. That's the list. I mean, there's, there's not another team I would expect the Thunder um, to finish ahead of. So, um one one thing on Victor Wembanyama, I've sort of wrestled with this in my head. When he went crazy in Henderson, Nevada, against Scoot Henderson and the G League Ignite, there was this narrative that okay, this is going to be a tanking year like we've never seen before, and all of this. And I I've been sort of pushing back on that a little bit, just because I think the teams that before before what happened happened. I think the teams that wanted to win this season still want to win. And I think the teams that are, you know, know they're going to be pretty bad and fight for a lottery pick, I think they're going to be doing the same thing. So, um, also, these front offices have been tracking Victor Wimbanyama for years. It's not like they were, you know, watched that game and was like, oh, look at this French kid. He's, he's pretty good. Maybe we should do something about this. So, I just think they, everyone has known this is coming. But how, how do you view uh, Wimbanyama and, and how that could affect the tanking race at the end of the year. I, I see it only when in two ways. One is, I wonder if Victor was the uh, the proverbial uh, the proverbial uh, threshold for San Antonio tanking. Yeah, because that's the Spurs have been the holdout. Pop hadn't wanted to do it. They've fought the good fight and gone 38 and 44 three straight years or whatever it is. I don't know what it is. But all of a sudden, they finally give up. They trade to John Day Murray, and they're starting over with a terrible team, much worse than Oklahoma City. And what was it? Did, did Pop see the light? Is his influence waning? Or did he just say, you know what? This guy's Victor Wimbayana is worth it. So that's the one franchise I can see that happening. The other factor I can see with Victor is if a mediocre team gets off to a bad start 
or loses a star to injury yeah. or whatever. I think like Portland is the perfect example of what yeah, could happen. Yeah, or Charlotte or somebody. Washington. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if somebody like that knows pretty early that, hey, we're in a, well, this isn't going anywhere, although if they just call me, I could tell them it's not going anywhere <laughs> no matter what happens. But if that, you know, if that kind of happens, you might see them jump in full blast mm-hmm. just because, you know, most years you'd say, you know, especially like these last two drafts, maybe the, every draft's in Scion. You know, Chad Holmgren's a, intriguing player. Jabari Smith's a great prospect. Uh, Banchero, all that. But it was it's not like, oh my god, oh my goodness, we gotta we gotta have the, whoever whoever gets this guy, their life has changed. Mm-hmm. Don't have one of those. But if there is one of those in the draft and you're in Charlotte, North Carolina, about to go 36 and you know, thinking you might go 36 and 46, and all of a sudden you realize we're going to go 30 and 52. You might say, let's see if we can go 25 and 57 and yeah. see what, what our odds are. So I, I want to count on any real plan in Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Yeah, um, yeah, it's probably right. They're, so, they're, they're a mess, and this, this season has not even started. So Yeah, that is true. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, what just makes it hard is the odds. I mean, even if you – you know, it's not the NFL. Even if you guarantee yourself the worst record, um, you you obviously limit how far you can fall, but you still only have a 14% chance at Victor. So, um, But, hey, that's a 14% chance a lot of teams would love to take. Like, if you if you tell us you have a 14% chance at, you know, what people have described as Kevin Durant on offense and Rudy Gobert on defense, then uh, I would go ahead and take my 14% on that. Um, all right, let's move on. Shea Gilsers-Alexander scoring average. I'm pretty high on this, Barry. You're pretty uh, high. I'm pretty high. He, uh, I said 26.8. You went twenty three point seven just for context. Man, that's a lot of points. Twenty six eight. Last year he averaged twenty four five. The year before that twenty three seven. So this is basically baking in the volume of last year with the efficiency of two seasons ago. And I admit it's probably a little high, but I think Shea is going to have an all star season. I think he could even find himself in the all NBA hunt at the end of the year, which is going to really put his playing time, uh, you know, it's going to make that a question, but, um, you went the safer route, but so you think 26, eight's a little too high. Seems a lot. Now, if he comes back and finds his shooting touch again, uh, you know, maybe, um, he didn't shoot particularly well last year, but I do, that does strike me as high because and maybe I'm just, you know, not, not neutral enough, but it seems like it's under talent base is rising it seems like they got more ways they can score Mm -hmm. and if so you'd think SGA might not you know shoulder as much load on the other end an argument in your favor is it seems pretty clear that Shea Gilgis Alexander's days as a full time or even a mostly time point guard are over Mm -hmm. this is a He's been moved to tailback. Um, Josh Giddy's quarterbacking this team, and if if SGA's job is to score more than facilitate, 
you know, then 26 range, you know, very doable. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that, imagine, so he averaged 24 and a half last year. That was on 30% three-point shooting. Even if it gets that up to 35, which is in line with what he did his first two years, he popped 42% two seasons ago. I think it could go up. And, and here's the reason I'm I'm really bullish on him. And, and this is sort of the James Harden in his game. So his rookie season, he averaged 2.4 free throw attempts. Next season, 5.1. 2020-2021, uh, Excuse me, 6.5. Last season, 7.2. So he's getting to the line more and more often. I think he's going to start getting um, some of those superstar calls. Um, and, you know, he's a really good free throw shooter, 80%. He's been very consistent. 80%, 81%, 81%, and 81% uh, in his four NBA seasons. So he's going to get a lot of uh, free points that way. So I'm I'm sort of I, – I know I'm baking a lot of things in, but I think he's in for a really, really big year and, and sort of a prove-it year because he's one of the best players in the NBA that nobody talks about. Um, I don't know if he cares about that or realizes that, but I think that's going to uh, give him some added motivation. Yeah, and, you know, this this idea of nobody talks about, I assume that is true. We talk about him a lot here, but what else do we have to talk about when it comes to the NBA? So uh, my question is, how much is that going to bother him the, the deeper he goes into his, his career? Um, you know, he's less and less uh, – he's not less and less, but he's, he's, not, he's not really rising too high on the – in the national landscape in terms of uh, visibility. I wonder if that eats at him. I asked somebody with the Thunder the other day, you know, he's Canadian, which means he's an international player. The internationals don't seem to care as much about that stuff. But he also went to high school, you know, that senior year of high school in, in I guess it's Tennessee. Uh, yeah, Chattanooga. Yeah, so... Uh, you know, how Americanized is he? Does he care about that kind of thing? You know, you'd rather have you'd rather have uh, Luka Doncic and Dirk Nowitzki than, you know, Kevin Durant and James Harden in terms of, of uh, sort of attitude. But, you know, who knows? So um, that's something at least to keep an eye on, is if yeah. he continues to play at a high level, and nobody pays attention. You know, I, I listened to a really good uh, David Thorpe discussion during the last season, which David Thorpe, he's a noted NBA podcaster and analyst, whatnot. He said, you know what? People don't, people sleep on this guy. He might be as good as John ja, ja Morant. Nobody just pays any attention to him. So um, to me, that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I forgot. We, we submitted our player, top 50 player rankings. Um, for USA Today, I think I was a little higher. I have him at number 25. So that's ESPN had him in the 40s, I think. So, I mean, I've got him. So at 20, I've got Lillard, Drew Holiday, Gobert, Levine, Brandon Ingram, then SGA ahead of Chris Middleton, Chris Paul, Donovan Mitchell, DeJounte Murray, and Kyrie Irving. So um, I I mean, obviously, <laughs> obviously I'm high on – High on SGA and, and what he's capable of. As, as far as him getting a little restless, I I just think 
first off, we're probably never going to know, and it's not something for the Thunder to worry about until he starts worrying about it and, and voices that. Um, this is the first year of a five-year max contract, so um, you know he he signed up for that, and and I know that doesn't mean as much anymore. But um, making thirty-one million this year and being the face of an NBA franchise um, is you know certainly worth something. And he has been to the playoffs two of his four years, and um, who who knows what he really thinks about this? But he's he has said all the right things, so. Let's move forward. Josh Giddy triple doubles. You said seven. I said nine. He had four triple doubles in a 24-game stretch last year. Three of those back-to-back-to-back to back to back, uh, became the youngest player in NBA history to, to have a triple double. Um, I One of my bold predictions that might not really be bold is he finishes second to Nikola Jokic in triple doubles. I think Jokic is really going to run away with that. Um but if you if Giddy gets to twelve or thirteen, which I know is a lot, that's probably going to be second in the NBA. But we're it looks like we're both pretty bullish on Josh Giddy and his all around game. Oh yeah, and you know I didn't. We're so skewed on the triple double spectrum by Russell Westbrook's time here that we don't. If you say seven or nine triple doubles, everybody yawns. Um, you know, it's a big deal that many triple doubles. So um, my question is this, that streak of, of uh, triple doubling by, uh, by Giddy, did that come after, after SGA was out or did that come with him? I, it, it was when SGA was out because, so Shea came back just after the all-star break and then he and Giddy played one game together. And then that's when Giddy was shut down. So, um, they didn't overlap during that stretch. Okay. Well, I, I wondered how his loss would would affect Giddy's triple doubling, mainly his assists. And frankly, it's a good sign that if he can keep his assists up with no SGA out there, because yeah, you know when, when who Shea's else is he passing there, to? There's not a lot of guys you can throw the ball to and think they might put it in the basket. So, um, so that's a good sign. For his production, I'm anxious. If you really drill down, I'm more anxious to see Giddy than anybody else on this team. I think there's a there's a hope or a belief that Giddy could be something special in Thunderville in terms of a unique player, an impactful player, a player that can really impact winning in a lot of ways and, and speed up this uh, rebuild of the thunder and so i'd love to see what he looks like in the second in, in in the second year can't shoot a lick but we've seen you know we, we live through russell westbrook and, and you get a bad attitude thinking now ah, you can't you know nobody can make themselves a good shooter but you know jason kidd magic johnson they ended up being decent outside shooters uh the world is full of people who actually did improve on the outside shot. So also, Josh Giddy they, could they, do it. they all talk about Chip England like he's some sort of sorcerer. So um, if yeah, if that, his magic I, touch works, then... Like, what do you think of that? What do you think of that? What do you think of that theory? I don't know. I mean, so he, he wasn't available. Most assistants aren't available to talk, but I just wanted to, to write a story on like what makes a good shoot... Like what makes a shooting coach a good shooting coach? Like what what is the... 
is there is it technique is it just uh inspiring confidence like what what does he do and everyone i asked they could like not even explain it like josh giddy said he's unorthodox um but he's like helped him already more than anyone's helped him um sam presti you know knows him dating back to their san antonio days he had good things to say about him um mark dagnall couldn't really describe it so i have no idea you know, obviously his reputation is known throughout the league, um, and he's known as the the premier shooting coach. But it's not like it's going to. Josh Giddy had a good quote. He was, he was like, "I'm not going to go from where I am to being Steph Curry um, in a year." So it, it's not like their their numbers are all going to be boosted this year because of Chip. I, at least I don't think so. And it's also going to be hard to quantify. Like, is it just personal development? Is it Chip? Is it something else? Is it luck? Um, but yeah, they they talk about him like he's like he's some sort of wizard. <laughs> what let me let me ask you a question. What is the result of a good shooting coach? You make somebody. I, I guess you, making what, more jump if, shots. If you make somebody a better shooter, what does that mean, like number wise? I don't know. We'll Do they go from thirty three to where? From thirty three to where? <laughs> 35. 34-35? Because if you really, if Chip England really can take a 33% shooter and make him a 38% shooter. He should be the highest, know? he should be the he, highest paid person on staff. He, he's literally worth $20 million a year. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Literally, I'm not even being funny. I try to be, you know, I'm about, I'm about 90% uh screwing around on these podcasts i just talk off the top of my head <laughs> but i'm being serious there if there's a man walking this earth who can get on an nba coaching staff and turn even one player much less several but one player five percentage points better as a deep shooter he's worth 20 million dollars yeah i mean there's... i don't think chip england is getting paid 20 million dollars and he's and he's been employed by the two franchises you know that really know what they're doing. So, yeah, you know, I, 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 I would hope for marginal gains. That would probably be the the high side of, oh, oh, of his impact. So the Thunder was the worst three point shooting team in the league last season. They were 29th the season before. <laughs> the the thing I'm bracing myself for is if I think it would be like a huge step if they finish 25th or 24th or in three-point shooting. I don't think they're going to be top 20. They just don't have the shooters to do that. But whatever it is, it's going to be because of Chip England, and I'm not like pushing back against that, but there's no way to quantify like how much he's actually helping versus just natural progression. But anyway, um, they all like Chip. Uh, so we will, we will I see. Bit, I was a little... I was a little stunned when I discovered on media day that he's actually a part-time coach. He, he's he's part yeah. Well, I I guess that definition is a little fuzzy because from what I understand, he's not part-time in the sense of part-time jobs that we think of. Is he's just only here part of the time, but when he's not here, he's still working. I don't really know what that looks like. Um, but he's not going to be in market all the time. He's not going to make every road trip. So um, the details Is this on Zoom. Are we, are, we, are, we in, are we into the Zoom era of, uh, of basketball coaching? Yeah. <laughs> Let's get on the Zoom call and dissect your shooting form. 
Uh, speaking of shooting form, Lou Dort three point percentage. We both said thirty four percent. I don't know, but we've we got to factor in the Chip England, I guess. But um, so we're not expecting a huge step from Dort. His career average is thirty three point three percent. Is that is that what you think he he is? Just sort of long term, Barry. You know what I think? I got to think about. It. I was actually. Because I'm a big Dork fan. I believe in his constant improvement. And I thought, you know what? He's kind of guy. He'd go, you know, he, he, with his determination and Chip England's magic, he could get up to 35, 36. Yeah. But I have one problem with Lou Gantz Dort's game. He takes too many dang threes. 7.7 7, uh, oh, per game day. last year. Yeah. Great day. That's too many. It's hard for you know, it's hard for good shooters even to to keep a percentage up shooting that. So I don't know. I'd like to see him cut that down into the four or five range, probably. So Yeah, he took um, almost four hundred three pointers last year. So that is that's a lot. And you know, if the Thunder accumulates more talent, like I just don't think it's a winning formula to have Lou Dort shoot that many three-pointers per game. I think a lot of it is, you know, who who else is going to shoot and, you know, someone standing in the corner and, and ready for those. He's also taken a lot of threes above the break from the wings, and I think they'll cut that out of his game a little bit. So a more narrow-focused role, I think, would help Lou Dort from an efficiency standpoint. He's just put in a role that is a little oversized for – you know that he should really be in so leader in games played i thought this was a fun one because you could come up with 10 guys and and i wouldn't argue with you you went with santa clara williams barry uh is steadfast in his approach saying santa clara williams and arkansas williams um i went with aaron wiggins so both of us had a similar idea here kind of a um i think both of those guys will come off the bench for the most part Although Wiggins started, I think, 35 games last year. I wouldn't be surprised if Jalen Williams uh, starts at some point this season. But um, are are you factoring in that he's a rookie and going to get a lot of playing time and that's why he's going to be leader in games played, Barry? I had had about three things. One is that, I mean, I think they want to play him. You know, I don't don't see them resting him a whole lot in the way they rest some other guys. I also, he looks sturdy to me. He looks like the kind of guy that's not going to, you know, run into somebody and walk away limping and thinking I got to miss this road trip to Portland and, and Sacramento. So uh, I have no idea if that's grounded in common sense or physiology or anything else. But he just looks like a sturdy guy, and I think they want to play. Yeah, I think they were pretty pleased with their pick. I think they think they got a steal, but. 11 or 12, whichever one he was. Yeah, and 12. Um, he was 12. So I think they like that. And I think they, they think, I think they think they've got a player. Mm-hmm. So I think you'll see a lot of minutes from him. Was that, was that, was it games played or minutes played? It was, was ga- the question? it was games played. Games played. Okay. Yeah. It's so a, that's a, it's a, it's a great nuance. That, now that's a nuanced question I just asked, of course, because we saw, Phil Maladone lead the Thunder in minutes played two seasons ago, which is one of the all-time great well, trivia questions. Yeah, and, you know, 
you wouldn't expect this. I actually think you guessed this uh, after last season uh, when I quizzed you, but Shea Gilgis-Alexander led the team in total minutes last year, even though he missed however many games he missed. So I wanted to go with uh, games played. Um, I won't last too long on this, but um, Aaron Wiggins, I I think I'm a big Aaron Wiggins fan. I, I just think he, you know, is such a solid NBA player and, you know, never going to be a star, but I think he's going to be a, a steal for where he was picked, uh, 55th overall in the in the second round. So he's a guy, second-year player. I think they're going to want to find out, okay, is he is he actually legit? Can he play in the league? Um, he's a guy that I, I think could play throughout the season. So um, he was my pick, breakout player. You are doubling up on the young man from Santa Clara, Barry. Yeah, I think he's going to be really good. He can do a lot of things. It looks like he's going to be the third-team point guard or maybe the backup point guard, whoever ever behind SGA and he, Giddy, whoever. He whoever. is really going to play one through four, which is wild. Yeah, so I sort of like that. I think he's going to be – Now, he, I don't think he's going to average 14 points a game or anything. Maybe I should have. Who did you put? Did you put Trey Mann? I put Trey Mann. Yeah, that's a good pick, that's a good pick and that's good solid reasoning on your part. The stats are not going to support Santa Clara as as the breakout player, but I think the advanced analytics, the uh, the impact you can see in games, sort of the you know just sort of the intuitive feel. I think your people are going to see this guy's this guy's a pretty good ball player. Sort of what we realized when the, when they started playing Lou Dort two years ago. Mm-hmm. Or I know it would be three years ago now. They started playing Lou Dort. You think, well, great day. They're having to resort to this undrafted guy down in the G League. And they're starting. And after about four or five games, you thought, you know what? This guy's got something going on. And I think we're going to have a whole lot of this year of, of Santa Clara Williams saying, us saying to ourselves, this guy's got a lot going on. Mm-hmm. I picked Trey Mann because um... – I mean, he's going to be that that quintessential sixth man in the Jordan Clarkson, Jordan Poole, um, you know, Lou Williams type. Like, I just think he's he's an all out scorer, and he he brings an offensive punch that this team really lacks. Like, uh, I've described it this way before, but like Shea is this like slithery guy to to the rim, doesn't really wow you with athleticism. Same with Josh Giddy, but when Trey Mann checks in. Um, no one can stay in front of him. His, his step back is is awesome. I really think he's going to um, take a step forward in his three-point shooting. Defense is a huge question mark um, for him and, and whether or not he can you know play meaningful minutes. But I think he could average 13, 14 points per game on, on pretty good three-point shooting. So I'll go with Trey Mann. Um, wrapping up our Thunder predictions, first Thunder player traded. This is juicy. Mike Muscala, tell us why, Barry. I'm just thinking of somebody who might have value to somebody. Yeah. You know, um, there's some guys they're not going to trade. And then there's some guys they wouldn't mind trading, but I don't know if anybody really wants them. But Mescal is a guy that could help a contender. Um, it's too early for me to tell you who that might be. But, you know, we'll just throw out somebody like Dallas. Mm-hmm. You know, Dallas, what if they get to February in there? Got a really good record, but they could use a little more, you know, outside shooting, inside presence, that kind of stuff. 
Dallas is ready to win. They'd give you something for Mike Muscala. And Fender loves him. He loves it here. That's clear. But, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking of guys that might might be able to help somebody. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys the fan base wouldn't mind getting rid of, and the Thunder, in their heart of hearts, probably feels the same way. And maybe the guy you mentioned is one of those guys. But could they get anything for him? Is there any reason to trade him? So that's what I just I just think Muscala probably has a little bit of value. Yeah, I picked Darius Baisley, um, and I, I think you, you just look at his contract situation. And Sam Presti doesn't often let guys get to restricted free agency. He's entering his fourth season. He did not get an extension, so Baisley is going to be a restricted free agent this summer. And I kind of compared it to the Hamadou Diallo situation from a few years ago, where. I think they liked Diallo, but they didn't like him enough to give him an extension. They didn't see him fitting in the long-term plans, so they sent him to Detroit for Svima Luke and I think a second-round pick. So rather than letting Diallo walk for nothing, they got a second-round pick out of it because they let Luke walk as well. So um, I think we could see some sort of trade where like Baisley is basically flipped for a second-round pick. And just from a fit standpoint, I don't want to beat up on the guy because he he really did um, impress me with his defensive improvement a year ago. Like especially when Lou Dort was out, Baisley was guarding you know the opposing team's best point guard, the opposing team's best wing. He was matched up against uh, a center on some nights, and and he really took on that challenge. I just think offensively, they they play in this style where it's you know. Everyone's touching the ball. Everyone's making quick decisions. Everyone's moving it around. Everyone is is you know has good vision and sees the floor well. And the ball just sticks for an extra second in Baisley's hand. Sometimes he just drives to the basket with no real open path in front of him, and he he just is sort of a clunky fit for the style they want to play. And I think there are some systems you know where um, maybe he could you know, not, not be relied upon to, to make decisions with the ball and, and things like that. So I just, I just think it's pretty likely that Baisley's going to be flipped uh, by the deadline. Well, I, I, I like old Baisley's defense, but you're right. He seems misfit and, and not progressing much on offense. That's, but that's my question. Does somebody else want him? Do yeah. you see anything in him? I just, if he showed a spark that would entice some other team, it seems like the Thunder would be the one to say, you know what, let's let's ride that spark. So I don't know. I don't know. He's he's an interesting player. You'd made a great point in your in your piece in the paper. Um not you know, I always get fired up by his shot blocking that sort of really came to light last season. But you reminded us today his on ball defense got better, even out on the perimeter. Yeah. With with Dagnall really relying on him as a as a guy who could you know guard all kinds of people in all kinds of spots, mm-hmm. so he's got the potential to be a really solid NBA player and a valuable player. But that offensive indecision or stagnancy just is a millstone around his neck. Yeah, if he could just. I, I, I don't want to say just because it is asking a lot, but if he improved as a three-point shooter, he he could just be a guy on a on a good team that you know 
with the Thunder, it's like you either expect him to play a role, and if he can't really make the rotation, you don't really care about your depth on a non-contending team. Um, but for a contender, maybe he could be, you know, a ninth or tenth guy who plays really good defense, and they stick him on a tough matchup, and they don't ask him to do too much offensively. That's that's kind of where I think he could fit in. Um, Barry, the uh, the roster was finalized. I know we're not going to get to to everybody, but a few names. We did not mention uh, Jalen Williams from Arkansas, my new favorite Thunder player, Isaiah Joe, uh, Lindy Waters, Eugene Omarui, who wears 97 and plays like Tommy Harris, uh, Usman Jang. Uh, any any other guys that stood out to you in preseason that you want to mention before we get off of here? You no, know, I don't know. The, the idea of, of Isaiah Joe and Jalen and Arkansas Williams reuniting that's they were high cool. school teammates. Yeah, they were high school teammates for crying out loud. That's wild, and it's not, you know. It, I mean, I don't know about your experience with Fort Smith. I, you know, I actually drive through Fort Smith every once in a while. So, did they go to South Side or North Side? They went to. They both went to North Side. Um, north Side. Okay, North Side. Yeah. <clears throat> so you know, if downtown Fort Smith is literally one mile from the Oklahoma line. Last time I was in Fort Smith, I. I I was coming back home from the from the east, so I'm going west. I get off, I get off in uh, off I-40, and you actually take a loop, and it takes you five six miles before you get into Fort Smith, and you drive and uh, end up in downtown. So, but when I went home, when it's time to go back and go get on I-40, you don't have to retrace that. You can just just go west, sort of northwest, out of downtown Fort Smith. And within literally a mile, you're crossing the Arkansas River over into into uh, Oklahoma, and um, it feels almost like put them with Lindy Waters. It almost feels like they're local kids. So I think that's sort of cool. Yeah. Now there's a lot of talking. I'm not sure any of them can play um, in terms of long term in the NBA, but you know, it's um, it's a uh, uh, Isaiah, flyers, they're taking flyers on these guys. Yeah, Isaiah Joe is a you know he's a he shot thirty five percent from three in his first two seasons with the Sixers, but it seems like they're really high on his shooting ability and and think he could be a three point specialist. So that's that would basically be his role. Um, Jalen Williams, Arkansas, I think is you know there's not a lot of big guys on this team, so maybe he'll get in there and play some. Um, we we also made our NBA predictions. I don't want to get to all of those, but I just want to get to our finals matchups. Barry, you have the Clippers playing the Bucks and the Clippers winning. I have Warriors Bucks and the Bucks winning. Clippers, man, I like them on paper. I'm just I'm just a little worried about like the injury situation. We haven't seen them in a while. Like Kawhi is always sort of a question mark. PG you know, tends to get hurt. Um, but tell tell us why the Clippers are going to be NBA champions. Well, ever since PG hooked up with Kawhi out there, I've just been fascinated with the Clippers. I mean, it just seems like the perfect NBA team to have two superstars, mm-hmm. big wings that can score in every way and defend in every way, rebound like demons. Just seems like a match made in heaven. And plus, they got a whole bunch of other players. Yeah. So. I like I like, like Tyron Lue. Money's not an issue. I think they should be hungry because they haven't won. 
I just I just think if they're if they're healthy now, Kawhi Leonard is one weird dude. So you know the only reason we don't think of him as weird is because he's in a league with Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. But um, but he's not somebody you wake up and say I know what I'm getting out of Kawhi Leonard today. No, you don't. Yeah, nobody does. But heck, if he's engaged and going, we've seen him. We've seen him take a team. You know, on his back, and it was a team that had guys that weren't used to being carried. Mm-hmm. But he did that in San Antonio. So I think he's a wonderful player. Him and PG are, should be great together. I just think it may be the Clippers' time. The Thunder opens against the Timberwolves in Minnesota on Wednesday night. The Thunder has – there's a game against the Nuggets in between, but the, the home opener is against those same Timberwolves on Sunday in Oklahoma City – one of the um, biggest offseason move, I actually had Rudy Gobert to Minnesota. Uh, team on the rise, I have the Timberwolves. And Coach of the Year, I have Chris Finch. So I'm, I'm not I'm not necessarily going all in on, on this making the Timberwolves a championship-caliber team. I just think this makes them a really good team. And Minnesota has sorely been lacking in really good teams. So um, I like what the Timberwolves did. Um, you've got Rudy Gobert winning Defensive Player of the Year. Just, just your thoughts, uh, real quick, uh, ahead of the season opener on on what Minnesota's doing with those uh, uh, towers down low in, in Towns and Gobert, and obviously Anthony Edwards at guard. I don't know if it'll work. Most people think it will work in the regular season, maybe not in the playoffs because Gobert. You know, there's things you can do to scheme around him, but he's a game changer. He's a one man defense and at a place like Minnesota which been a long time since it knew what defense was Carl Anthony Towns certainly has never discovered the concept <laughs> he's going to be a huge he's going to be a huge difference yeah um i tend to think they'll be at their best when Carl Anthony Towns is not on the court Ooh. so it, it could be a problem He's such a have, he's such an elite offensive player, though. Like he is, he is. But I think Gobert will be frustrated at Katmandu's defense. I think uh, Timberwolves. I, I guess what I'm saying is we talk about the twin towers playing together, but I don't know if they'll end up playing together. I, surely, of course, they're going to start. I think you'll see a quick substitution one with the other, and then until the end of the game, you might you know start in the third quarter. Might be the only time you see them much together. The end of games is going to be interesting. Um, Minnesota really can count on getting stops now at the end of games, but that's going to be impeded. If if they have a nice year, your man Finch absolutely deserves Coach of the Year. That's mm-hmm. what I will say. Yeah. He absolutely deserves it. It's because they got a lot to work through. Let's put it that way. All right. Well, everyone get ready for uh, Poku and Jeremiah Robinson Earl against Rudy Gobert and, and Carl Towns. Good luck to the <laughs> good luck to the Thunder in that rough first matchup. But I, I think it's going to be a ton of fun to watch, um, not only what the Timberwolves are doing, but of course what the Thunder is doing going into, uh, going into the third year of their rebuild. So thank you all so much for listening to the renewed and revamped Thunder Buddies podcast, and we'll talk to you on Friday. 